The Jets fall apart in the second half against Miami. We'll talk about it on today's episode of the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Jets podcast for Monday, December 20th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com. Thank you so much for making this show your first listen each day. Hope your Christmas week is off to a great beginning. Hope you've got most of your shopping done. If not, then good luck as you seek out last-minute deals. On today's show, we are going to recap a Jets loss. They were defeated yesterday by the Miami Dolphins. 31 to 24 in South Florida. It was a tale of two halves. The first half, the Jets played pretty well. The second half was completely dominated by Miami. I have to admit, I was not expecting the Jets to play a competitive game, and they did, mainly because they played so well in the first half, and Miami was so bad. The second half performances were what I was expecting entering this game, where the Dolphins just completely took control of the game. You know, the Jets had opportunities early, I thought, to deliver a knockout blow. Miami was kind of on the ropes. The only path to victory I really saw for the Jets in this game was a scenario where they came out playing really well, kind of firing on all cylinders, showing some motivation after a couple of really bad weeks, after hearing a lot of really negative stuff about you in the press, your performances. Maybe you get a little fired up and you go out and play really hard. And maybe Miami isn't taking the game seriously. Maybe the Dolphins have also been reading about how badly you've played and they think we can just show up and we're going to win. Maybe there's a little complacency out of Miami. And that's what happened. I mean, Miami on the first series went three and out. And the reason they went three and out was on a third down and three play, they fumbled an exchange on a handoff. So they had to punt and the Jets went right down the field in 10 plays. And this was a brilliantly scripted series by Mike LaFleur early in the game. I mean, they had the Dolphins totally off balance. They were getting Braxton Berrios involved in the run game, a couple of runs he had, including a touchdown on third and goal from the two. A really creative play calling by Mike LaFleur, making things very easy, scheming guys open. And then, you know, Miami kind of implodes. Tuatagavailoa throws a pick on the first play of the next series. The Jets get set up on the Miami 25-yard line. They're about to go up 14-0. And there were a number of stages in this first half where it really felt like the Jets were on the verge of delivering that knockout blow. And I kind of felt like the Jets needed to get up by like three scores in this game. Because if they did that, Miami may have just packed it in. They may have said it's not our day. They may have gotten discouraged and began pressing. And I felt like if this game got to halftime and Miami was within a score, the Jets were in trouble. And that's what happened. The Jets failed to take advantage of some opportunities. There was one play where Keelan Cole missed an open Zach Wilson. It was... I don't know if it was really a Philly special because it was kind of like a throwback against his body. A tough throw for a receiver to make. Cole got the ball. Wilson kind of leaked out and ended up open and Cole underthrew him. Could have been a touchdown to put the Jets up 14-0. How much do you want to blame Keelan Cole for that? I mean, I don't know, but it was a real opportunity missed. And then the next series, Miami has the ball. So the Jets settled for a field goal. Eddie Pinheiro, of course, automatic, makes a 27-yard field goal. My new favorite player, Eddie Pinheiro, a kicker who can actually kick makes a field goal. Jets are up 10-0 in this game. And they had an opportunity to take complete control on the next series, but Ashton Davis drops a pick. I mean, a ball gets deflected in the air, lands right in his hands, and he drops it. 
so Miami has to punt. Jets would have been set up in business again in scoring range. They'd be on the verge of going up 17-0, complete control of the game. Got to deliver that knockout punch. They failed to do it. Then the next series, Keelan Cole again fails. Jets get the ball back after Miami punts. And Cole drops a perfectly thrown ball by Zach Wilson on, first, on third down that would have extended the drive. Again, the Jets could have been moving the ball. They could have gone up three scores. They blew it. On the next series, Miami actually got kind of lucky, I thought. There was a decisive play on this series where Quincy Williams deflected the ball in the air and it landed in Albert Wilson's hands to move the chains. That was around midfield. Two attack of Ioloa hit Devontae Parker for a 37-yard gain. A really good throw. They, Miami kind of got the Jets in the wrong coverage, and Miami took advantage. And a couple plays later, Duke Johnson scored from a yard out. The Jets did respond, though, with an eight-play touchdown drive. Uh, one, one of the key plays was Zach Wilson on a it was kind of a busted play. Uh, Zach Wilson kind of danced around in the backfield. Jets were running a bit of a gadget play where the, they had a lateral back to Wilson. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen the team run as many effective laterals as the Jets have in 2021. It's one thing they've done really well. Wilson was under pressure. Miami kind of had the play figured out, and Wilson kind of evaded pressure, and he hit Ryan, an open Ryan Griffin for 23 yards after evading the pressure. A couple of plays later, he snuck in from a yard out. So 17-7. And again, the Jets are in position to take complete control of the game. They're up 10 there's about 10 minutes left in the second quarter. You get to stop there and get the ball back. You got an opportunity. But Miami puts together a 14-play field goal drive and cuts it to 17-10. The Jets get the ball back with about two minutes left in the half. And despite a really, again, another nifty lateral on a third down play where the Jets on a third and long hit Jamis and Crowder over the middle, looks like nothing's happening. And he laterals the ball to Barrios, who kind of picks up a first down against a bunch of surprised Miami defenders. But the Jets really didn't do anything. And 17-10 heading to the locker room. And I, I felt bad at that point because I felt like the Jets missed their opportunity. When you're the underdog, especially you get into December, you got to deliver the knockout blow. Like Detroit did to Arizona, 17-0 heading to the locker room yesterday. When you're playing a superior opponent at this time of year, you got to put them down for the count. You can't let them hang around. And then second half was just total domination. I mean, the Jets had 54 yards of offense. Miami... First two series went right down the field. Eight-play touchdown drive, 12-play touchdown drive. Jets could not get a stop. Just frustrating stuff. I mean, anytime Miami got to a third down, they were able to, to make a play to extend the drive. Um, Zach Wilson fumbles a ball away. Then the Jets actually catch a break because Miami, after putting together a couple of touchdown drives, throws a pick six. Uh, to attack of Iloa throws a pick six, uh, picked off by Brandon Eccles. He said later in the game, or I'm sorry, he said in the post-game press conference that he got a tip from Michael Carter because he jumped the route, and Tua kind of telegraphed the pass. So Eccles picks it off and runs it to the end zone to tie the game. But Miami goes right down the field, nine plays, capped third and nine from the Jets' 11. Devontae Parker beats Bryce Hall on inside for a touchdown. Tough game, tough way for the game to play out for Bryce Hall, who otherwise was stellar in this game. But Hall was beaten by Devontae Parker for the go-ahead touchdown for Miami with about three and a half minutes left in the game. The Jets got the ball back and had a quick three and out. I mean, one of these plays, Zach Wilson kind of overthrew Michael Carter on a third and seven. He would have had a chance to get it. And then the Jets made a very odd decision. They decided to punt the ball back to Miami. Now, a little over two minutes left, so you have the two-minute warning. The Jets also had two timeouts at this point. So, you know, in general, you could see it either way. I think in a neutral environment, you could see punting. You could see maybe going for it. There are advantages both ways. But the Jets' defense was playing terribly. Miami was gashing them, especially on the ground in this game. 
However, Miami, for whatever reason, decided to throw the ball twice on the next series, so the Jets got the ball back. But the Jets were not able to do anything with that last series, and the Dolphins were able to run out the clock. And, you know, I go back to it. They had opportunities early in this game to take into. This game was not lost. In, well, I mean, it was kind of lost in the second half because the Jets fell apart. But this game could have been over by halftime. And especially when you're the underman team on the road, you got to take advantage of this. I mean, we saw this. It was around this time last year we saw a game. It was the Jets' first win of 2020 when they went out to Los Angeles and they beat the Rams. And they kind of knocked the Rams out early. And even though the Rams kind of rallied late, by the time the Rams had begun playing, they just didn't have enough time to catch up. And in this game, the Jets let Miami get to the locker room down seven. And then from that point, Miami just took complete control of the game. And I don't think the game plays out the same way. I don't think the Dolphins dominate to this extent if they're down 17 points heading to the locker room. I think there's a chance maybe they just say, hey, it's not our day. It's not going to happen for us. Instead, the Jets gave them life, and they took advantage in the second half. A lot of bad performances for the Jets. We're going to talk about some of them ahead here on this Monday recap episode of the Locked On Jets podcast. This was clearly a difficult game to watch, especially as we got into the second half. I'm sure after the Jets played well in the first half, you wanted to keep your eye on this game, but you also may have been focused on your fantasy team if you're in the playoffs, and as the second half progressed and things got out of hand, you probably wanted a second game on another TV, maybe a mobile device. And if this sounds like the situation you were in, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports movies and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again, and the best part is there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Thanks again for making Locked On Jets your first listen each day. Today we are recapping a 31-24 loss to the Miami Dolphins, a game that was in many ways a tale of two halves. The first half, the Jets played pretty well. They led 17-10 heading to the locker room, although... I mentioned it in the first segment. They missed some opportunities to take complete control of the game, and the Dolphins dominated the second half, outscoring the Jets 17-7 over the final two quarters. And the only seven points the Jets had were on a pick six. That was an awful throw by Tua Tagovailoa. Now, a nice play by Brandon Eccles. He mentioned in the post-game press conference that Michael Carter II gave him something to watch, something that tipped him off to the throw, allowed him to jump the route. So credit there, but... It was really a one-play anomaly. It wasn't like the Jets were putting together a 10-play scoring drive. It wasn't like the Jets had the Miami on their heels. It was kind of a mistake and a nice play. But Miami just pretty much did whatever they wanted in the second half, especially on the ground. Duke Johnson runs for 100 yards on the Jets. I mean, this is a Miami team that really was struggling rushing the ball all season. And you have Duke Johnson come in and put up 107 yards on the ground. Doesn't that say it all? Miles Gaskin adds 10 carries for 54 yards. Again, a Miami rushing offense, which was struggling, posts 183 yards on 42 carries. Miami ran the ball 42 times. They threw the ball 27. And honestly, as I'm watching in the second half, it feels to me like the Dolphins are throwing the ball too much because when Miami got into trouble, it's when they were throwing the ball, when they were maybe putting a little bit too much faith into Tua because the Jets could not stop the run. Whenever the Jets got a stop in the second half, it's because Miami was throwing it. That pick six, the sequence near the end of the fourth quarter when Miami decided to throw the ball. I mean, it's not just that you're trying to keep the clock running or force the Jets to run timeouts or use timeouts in that sequence. 
Miami probably would have picked up the first down if they had just run the ball because the Jets have no gap integrity on defense. This defensive line is underperforming. I mean, the linebackers. I don't want to hear any more about how many tackles C.J. Mosley makes in the game. He's so frequently in the wrong spot. And despite all this talk about how he got faster in the offseason, he's so slow to the ball. And Quincy Williams, I don't want to be too hard on Quincy Williams. Because, listen, for a waiver wire pickup, he has far exceeded expectations. And I want to be clear on that. I think Quincy Williams is a pretty good move by Joe Douglas. But let's not act like Quincy Williams is going to be like some impact player going forward. He's a guy with some speed, makes some plays. You see it when he makes a big hit. The thing with Quincy Williams, though, is that when he makes a good play, it's obvious because he's delivering a big hit somewhere. When he misses on a big play, when he fills the wrong gap or he's in the wrong spot or maybe he's a little slow to identify what's going on out there, you don't notice it. It's more subtle. I mean, these linebackers are not any good. And Ashton Davis, I mean... For a guy who had an interception, he played a terrible game. Because first of all, he should have had two. The first one was kind of gift-wrapped for him, and there was a second one that was gift-wrapped for him that he dropped. And that was one that really could have turned the game, because he may have taken it to the house, I don't know, but Jets would have been in business on offense, up 10 nothing. But beyond that, I mean, you can't have a guy tackle like this or take these angles as your last line of defense at the safety position. I'm sorry, and I know I'm hard on Ashton Davis, it just looks more and more like he's a backup in a special team, or he doesn't look like a, a starting safety in this league. This, And I feel like a broken record at this point with this run defense, because it's just brutal. They just can't get anything done. It's a, it's an unwatchable run defense. There's nothing more demoralizing than when your team can't stop the run, because you know what's going to happen before the play. You know the other team's going to run the ball, unless you're Miami and you're throwing the ball 27 times when you don't need to, unless you're playing Miami and Miami's throwing the ball more than they should. But, I mean, so many times during that second half, you knew Miami was going to run, and you couldn't get the stop. You knew they weren't going to stop it. It reminds me of, the it's kind of the inverse of the Jets in the early Mark Sanchez days when they had that dominant offensive line and other teams couldn't stop the run and there was nothing they could do about it. Just so frustrating to watch. This defense is just, it's brutal. And I'll say this, you know, as rough as recent seasons have been for the Jets, You've at least, for whatever reason, they've always been good at stopping the run. And they just can't do it this year. Everybody's regressed this year under this coaching staff. I mean, the coaching staff's got to take some grief here. But that's not alone. I mean, listen, the offense got three first downs in the second half. Three. That's not enough. 54 yards of offense in the second half. That's not going to get it done under any circumstance. And it's a little bit easier to understand on the offensive side of the ball because they had some key guys out. I mean, listen... The guy they had at left tackle yesterday, Connor McDermott, is lucky to be on an NFL roster, much less starting at left tackle in a game. I mean, that, that's tough. And at wide receiver, I can give the wide receivers a little bit more grief because this was supposed to be a spot where the Jets had depth. We were not supposed to be to a spot where you were getting the caliber of play the Jets had last year, where you had Rashad Perryman, or when the starters were out, you were running guys out there like Chris Hogan or Lawrence Cager. The reason they brought in Keelan Cole was for a situation like this. And Keelan Cole dropped a key pass in the first half. And again, the throw, I don't know how much you want to get on him for the underthrown ball to Zach, because that's a wide receiver kind of being forced to throw a throwback pass. But on the last play the Jets ran on offense, he ran the route short of the sticks. And I don't know whether he was coached that way, but just ugly stuff. Keelan Cole, a signing that I have to admit I liked. I thought he was going to give the Jets good depth at wide receiver. He has not. Denzel Mims... Uh, there's no defensive Denzel Mims anymore. 
you know, as much as people complained about Denzel Mims not go not playing this year, as much as people got on the coaching staff because Denzel Mims was not in the lineup, what can you even say at this point? You know, I frequently hear people say something like, you got to put young players on the field, you got to give them an opportunity, you, you got to see what you have. Well, the thing is, you and I, and quite frankly, the media, our only opportunities to see these players is on Sunday during games. But the coaching staff gets to see these guys all week. They typically have a pretty good idea of what they have. Now, that doesn't mean they're always right. There definitely are cases where a player does not get enough playing time, where a coaching staff maybe has a bit of a blind spot. But that's not the case with Denzel Nims. He's just not producing. And, you know, the Jets don't have anything at tight end. I know Tyler Croft made a couple of good plays. Griffin had a couple of catches, but Jets don't really have anything at tight end. This is not an offense built to move the ball right now, especially with the guys they have out. Michael Carter's a good back. Tevin Coleman's a good back. Jets just don't have the pieces on offense. And as far as Zach Wilson goes, this was not really a quarterback-driven game. I think in the early stages, Wilson played pretty well. He hit some open receivers. But these were pretty simple plays. These were plays that were really schemed open in the first half. And then when the second half came, he had the fumble, but he really was not able to elevate his game. I don't think this was the type of game where Zach Wilson's the number one reason the Jets lost. I don't think he was the driving force in this game. But that goes for the first half as well. I don't think Zach Wilson was the driving force in the first half. I mean, you want to say there was progress? I mean, okay, fine, he was better than last week. How could he not be? The bar's set so low there, but... I didn't see anything that made me think Zach Wilson's elevating his game. I didn't see anything that makes me think Zach Wilson's on a radically different trajectory. You want to say this was one of his better performances, fine, but at the end of the day, this offense scored zero in the second half. So, I mean, I I can't go out there and act like this was a big step forward for Zach Wilson. It wasn't a big step backwards either, but it wasn't really what I was looking for. I was looking for kind of like a trajectory changing type game from Zach Wilson. I was hoping for something that would alleviate some of my concerns, something I could at least point to to say there's a high sky ceiling. I don't think we got that, but I don't want to be too hard on Zach Wilson in this one because I don't think this one was really Zach Wilson's fault. I think this one was a complete team failure. Jets, again, could not stop the run, make Duke Johnson look like, I mean, you, you name whatever great back, Barry Sanders, Walter Payton, whatever great back you want to think about. The Jets made Duke Johnson look like that yesterday. Duke Johnson. And then the offensive side of the ball, Jets could not pick up a blitz in the second half. Free runners at the quarterback. Receivers not making plays. Zach Wilson not looking great. Kind of looking overwhelmed. That second half was what I was expecting to happen in the entire game. That's what I was pretty much anticipating heading into this one. We got one decent half from the Jets. We did not get two. Should fans feel okay about this performance? Was this a disappointing game for the Jets? We'll talk about that ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast. But even though the Jets lost yesterday, it is Christmas week, so there is some reason to have some holiday cheer. And this holiday season, you should grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, or even better than a candy bar. It's Built Bar, filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor and covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, but high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. And there are so many delicious flavors, raspberry, mint brownie, cherry, double chocolate, cookies and cream, peanut butter brownie. I got to tell you, they're all delicious. These are protein bars, but they don't taste like protein bars. They taste like candy bars. They're a great treat for the holidays or even after the holidays. Any time of the year, Built Bars are great. And if you want to cozy up with something warm, you should dip your Built Bar into a piping hot cup of cocoa. Let it melt a little and give your beverage a bit of that Built Bar flavor. Plus, you'll have a nice melty Built Bar to go with it. Just be sure to have plenty of napkins on hand. 
If you go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your order. Again, it's promo code LOCKED15. It's one word with no space. L-O-C-K-E-D, number one, number five, for 15% off at built, B-U-I-L-T, dot com. And if you put money down on games, hopefully you covered this weekend. You should know that Bet Online has you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than, than ever before. As football season continues the march to the playoffs, Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the action. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season, because Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Monday, recapping a 31 to 24 loss by the Jets to the Dolphins yesterday in Miami. The Jets fall to three and 11 on the 2021 season. Three games remain: Jacksonville next week, followed by Tampa Bay and Buffalo. Miami, meanwhile, still remains in the playoff hunt after getting their sixth straight win. So should Jets fans be happy with this performance? Should they be optimistic with this performance? I guess it kind of depends on what your standards are. And I guess it also depends where you're looking at. I mentioned it earlier. It's kind of a tough situation for Bryce Hall because he gave up the game-winning touchdown and coverage in this game. But to be honest with you, I thought he was pretty stellar in this one. Outside of that, he made a number of excellent plays in coverage, a number of passes he defensed, so that's a positive. I guess you want to say Brandon Eccles reading the play, picking up that pick six, that was a good thing. Michael Carter, now the numbers don't look great, eight carries for 18 yards, but if you were watching that game, I mean, there were a number of plays that, you know, were three-yard losses behind the line of scrimmage. He turned into two-yard gains. So I think if you look in context at what Michael Carter did in this game, that was pretty good. There were some young players who performed, but ultimately, I mean, it's about making progress and we're not seeing the Jets make progress. I mentioned this a few weeks back when they were entering this stretch, especially after the bye week, where it seemed like the schedule was getting a little easier. You know, Miami was not looking so great at the time. We had Philadelphia coming up. We had the Saints coming up. We had Houston coming up. And I said, the Jets need to get some wins here and they haven't done it. They're three and 11. And I think we're at the point where you got to say, the Jets are going to look back at this 2021 season and it's going to seem like a failure. I think heading into the year, we all mentioned, listen, playoffs are not an expectation. Winning records, not an expectation, but you want to see this team get better. You especially want to see this team improve as the season moves on. And the number, I think the bare minimum number most people put for the Jets this year was five wins. It may not be all about wins and losses, but it has to be about wins and losses a little bit, even if you're keeping things in perspective even if you're going in trying to figure out reasonable expectations. Well, here we are, 3-11, and 11, and we got Jacksonville next weekend. Okay, possibly the Jets can win that game, especially at home against Jacksonville. Okay, I can buy that. Then Tampa Bay and Buffalo. There's a very good chance the Jets are going to fall below that very modest five-win plateau. This season, I think, is heading towards being a failure because this was the opportunity. This was the stretch, and the Jets are leaving that stretch. There's one more game left, but they're leaving that stretch next weekend. And they have three wins right now on the season. That's just not good enough. You know, the young quarterback, again, it wasn't a terrible performance by him yesterday, but 
that's the type of game where if it's like one of your worst games or even like one of like the middle of your pack of your games, that's fine. If that's one of your best games, that's not that impressive. But beyond that, did we see a team make progress yesterday? I mean, this was a team that jumped off to a really fast start. I think they kind of caught Miami sleeping a little bit at the beginning of the game, but they did not finish. Listen, it's one thing to go down to Miami and lose by seven in a back-and-forth game. And I understand you could argue it's back-and-forth because of the Eccles pick six, but Miami really dominated the second half of that game. Once Miami woke up and began playing, the Jets were clearly overmatched. And that's the trajectory of the game. I mean, listen, it's tough for me to look at this and say the Jets had a pair of 10-point leads in the first half, an opportunity to knock Miami out, and they lose the game. Not only do they lose the game, they do nothing on offense in the second half. They get run all over. As the game progressed, the Jets got worse. I, I mean, listen, if you want to say the Jets were more competitive than they've been in recent weeks, that's fine. You just have to understand that's a very low bar, and it's tough for me to take a lot positive from this game. I mean, really, if we're comparing the Jets this week to the Jets of last week, the bar needs to be higher. That's what I think. I think that this was another disappointing performance. And we'll see what happens from here. I mean, listen, we're running out of weeks. We're running out of weeks for this team, and you know, hopefully we at least get some sort of strong finish to salvage the season maybe the Jets can beat Jacksonville next week and win one of those last two against Tampa Bay or Buffalo maybe head into the offseason with some positive momentum but it's tough to feel good about this team right now it really is and they very well could be heading towards a second straight season where they don't win a single divisional game tough to do but the Jets are on that path anyway that's all for our show today thank you for listening this has been the Locked On Jets podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. I hope you have a great Monday. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.